So we theoretically could see like back in time in 2022. It is definitely a bigger deal than discovering the light from a distant universe. <laughs> We've been waiting forever for that and Disney Plus finally committed to it and the original witches are coming back. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Social Discord episode 28, 2022, here's looking at you, New Year edition. I, I can't help get through that without laughing. <laughs> I'm your host for today's episode, Dalen Turk. And I'm Curtis Medina. Uh, if you're a previous listener to the show, you notice that Kara is uh, not joining us today. Um, it's another one of those episodes. She's actually in London right now, or at least on her way to London, I believe. Um, she's spending, what'd she say, like three months or something over there? Um, to, yeah, uh, she's, she's looking so much forward to uh, to 2022 that she couldn't even wait to start. Oh, yeah. She just she had to jump ahead, and you know, <laughs> the closer she can get to it, the happier she is. But no, she's over there with uh, her now husband, um, and they're yeah. working on getting his visa figured out and everything so that he can uh, move over here to uh, Texas. And uh, they can start their life together. So, in the meantime, Curtis and I are uh, jumping into the new year with this episode, looking at some things that are going to be uh, happening in 2022, um, given our predictions and talking about some stories to uh, look forward to. So, Curtis, uh, why don't you start us off? Yeah, well, you know, I want to start off, too, with the idea behind this episode. Yeah. Is- you know, I think it's really important at the end of the year, whether it's for Christmas or New Year's or any holiday that you celebrate, to try to look at the positive aspect of what's coming up. It's really important to have goals, to have things you're looking forward to. Um, you know, in the last couple of years, what they probably proved to us is that, you know, even if things are sort of bleak, it is nice to have those things, even if they're personal and small, um, to look forward to so that you can feel better about the world <laughs> and get through your day and and not necessarily spend all day, you know, stressing about how the world will probably end in like the next 10 years. <laughs> and, uh, I will I will amend that by saying I'm a little bit of a Debbie Downer this episode. <laughs> not, not all well, of my things are super happy-go-lucky. So just pragmatism is fine too. <laughs> Well, yeah, so, you know, it's good to have a balance. Uh, not everything has to be rosy and optimistic. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's just as uh, unhealthy to be overly optimistic as it is to be overly pessimistic. Uh, so a good balance helps. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and we were talking about before that if, I think it's, it's, even if what you're you're going to say as part of yours is, or even actually one of mine um, is negative for next year, it's good in a way that we are concentrating on it. So the positive of it is that the people, you know, who were trying to bring attention to these issues care about these issues a lot and will hopefully make what could be a bad situation better. See, I just care about your futures, everybody. Okay. I'm just trying to bring to light <laughs> things that you need to care about. Um, so, okay. With that said, uh, why don't you take us into our first one? Well, yeah. So the first one is actually starting January 1st of next year. Um, so right away, uh, you can look forward to the Harry Potter reunion that's coming up. <laughs> 
Um, I myself, I'm actually not that big of a Harry Potter fan, but I have lots of friends that are huge Harry Potter fans. And how many of the movies have you watched? I've watched all but one. Okay, better be. I've watched the first three. (laughs) That's it. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, uh, So I I think I missed like the fifth one or something. There's like eight of them, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I watched the next one in theaters and I didn't feel like I missed that much. So (laughs) I just kept going. There you go. Just pick up on it. Um, You know, I thought they were okay movies. Yeah. I had no problem with it. I wasn't as nerdy about it as a lot of people mm-hmm. were. I never read the books. Um, but yeah, but you know, I know a lot of people really look forward to things like that and a retrospective 20 years later uh, to show kind of how it's come full circle and how these people um, are today and how they're, you know, very, apparently very close uh, in real life, the actors, uh, you know, it's, it's really nice to hear. Um, and that especially, that, you know, since, the the general consensus is that child actors never have fulfilling lives afterwards <laughs> like this sort of flies in the face of that and that you know it could actually be possible yeah. to have a good life after harry potter i will say i i am a um, huge daniel radcliffe fan um i mm-hmm. i ri- i think he's just su- a super fun genuine guy he's done a lot of wacky movies since harry potter um and i I, don't know, I think he's just like really fun to watch. I I mean he I'm not sure if wacky would be maybe necessarily the word that <laughs> like, oh, like wacky he might he Are might you... take a, a offense at that I'm not sure. What you you're telling he's me in some wacky movies? Are you telling also, me like, that serious. Guns Akimbo and Swiss Army Man are not wacky? <laughs> I thought Swiss Army Man was pretty grounded actually. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that it is grounded in the sense of using a a dead body as a Swiss Army tool. <laughs> no, it, it is a very good movie, and he's actually come. Uh, there's a new movie coming out with uh, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, and uh, Daniel right. Radcliffe, where Daniel Radcliffe plays this like, you know, this evil like rich man or whatever. Um, did you ever watch The Jungle, or I think it's called The Jungle? Where he gets lost no. in the jungle. No. Check out it's it's actually pretty darn good. It's for a survival movie. Um, like it does a pretty good pretty good job. Um, and you just kept wondering, like, why don't you get your Swiss Army man out? I know. I'm like, where where does this dead corpse gonna appear? I guess opposed to a live corpse. Um, <laughs> like Daniel Radcliffe just writes in like every one of his like future contracts that he must have a scene with <laughs> in, in, Paul <laughs> Dane in, in the rest of their movies, either a dead Paul Dano or a dead Daniel yeah. Radcliffe has to appear at some point in the movie. <laughs> uh, well, okay, I mean, I understand what you mean, though. He had he he definitely has a sense of humor that borders on the wacky but he's but he's also a legitimately good actor yes. and i and so it's important to say that part too because you know he could have just been a harry potter actor and that was all that was all you know that he could do and, mm-hmm. and apparently he wanted to do more so yeah right and so is also the other go ahead okay. i was gonna say the other interesting thing about it is that uh jk rowling is actually not going to be a part of this apparently. yeah um she wasn't in the trailer and the that's the that's the rumor um, you know, that has a lot to do with her opinions on 
uh, trans people and that, that trans people just uh, that they are not the gender that they're saying that they are and that it has only to do with the biological aspect of it, which we covered a lot in a, a previous episode. I find it incredibly fascinating that people like that, you know, with those opinions and whatnot are so like her entire foundation is the Harry Potter world and she is no longer a part of it, you know? Right. Yeah, that's true. Like it's, it's, it's such a crazy thing to me that like she's was willing to let that happen for an outdated opinion. I mean, of course to her, it's not outdated, I guess, but, um, it, it's, it's an odd opinion. You know I mean? Like, like there's no problem with being opinionated, but you know, most people, they say their opinion and then they kind of move on. Um, but, but other people get obsessed with being right, even though a majority or at least a lot of people are hurt by it or are, you know, are saying that she's incorrect. Like, like they can't let it go. It's an obsession. Well, and the same thing too. I mean, you look at the demographic of Harry Potter fans, and I feel like the like the majority demographic of Harry Potter fans are people who would very much so disagree with that opinion. Um, and so I like I can't I imagine what her PR yeah. team has been going through. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's amazing that that they haven't just said, you know, stop or we were not going to keep, you know, fighting these battles for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they are. I mean, maybe the fact that she's that she's been kind of, you know, drug in the mud so much uh, means that her PR team isn't really working for her anyway anymore. You know, they're just kind of letting her say whatever she's going to say. And they know that it's beyond repair at this mm-hmm. point. I will say out of the pandemic, I am a big fan of seeing these reunions happening now. Um, Cause then we, we had the one with uh, the West wing. Uh, you know, they had, they did the, the fast times of Ridgemont high over zoom um, where uh, Fresh friends did one friends did one. Um, you know, we're getting the Harry Potter one, like all these reunions where it's just like, it's super cool to see. Um, like I, I, as a fan just of general television and movies and whatnot, like, I think it's just really fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think that there's no problem in paying what this term I've been hearing lately is fan service, you know, um, <laughs> that, you know, basically this idea of like doing something just because fans want it, not necessarily because right. it's like a really enriching, you know, thing <laughs> in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, like, I don't think an, I don't think an actor or a creative person should do it if it's like bad for them. But if they really don't care, like I think they should do it just to you know say, hey, thank you for being fans. Um, you know, we we hear you, we appreciate you, um, and uh, this is kind of where we're at now. Yeah, I mean, why the heck not, right? We saw what happened when fans demanded a uh, a, a video game accurate Sonic in the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do it because the fans want it and no other reason. Well, it's so weird that, you know, Hollywood or just say creatives in general would ignore what the fans want just because they think they know better. Like the, you know, like mm-hmm. you know they're uh the you know whole thing with like releasing um the Ghostbusters in 2016 without any of the original Ghostbusters as a part of it. Yeah. Um you know, really seemed like a slap in the face to a lot of 
people who who had grown up with that the main the what's his name um had just died the guy that um oh my gosh i'm forgetting his name right this second yeah i know what you're talking about <laughs> all, all i can think of is the director's name oh harold ramus there we go mm-hmm. um harold ramus um yeah you know uh he had just died like a few years before that and then they took the opportunity to, to make the movie that they had been trying to make for like 20 years just with a whole new cast with a whole yeah. new feeling and absolutely no fan service to yeah to the original fans and you know they spent a hundred and what was it it's like 150 million dollars or something on it wow um it, yeah and it basically broke even like huh. like there wasn't really an additional fan base for that you really only had the people coming in that were there already um and so when they made the new one what they did was they uh, included the um, the creatives that were a part of the original. They had mm-hmm. all four of the original Ghostbusters, or excuse me, three of the original original Ghostbusters who were alive, other than Harold Ramis, um, in the movie playing themselves, still in a heroic sort of like, you know, vibe. Um, they had a similar vibe to the original movie, um, which was created by hiring the son of the original director. Um, hmm. So he deeply cared about and understood what that franchise meant, right? You know, from a um, from being a part of that family. And sadly, you know, a lot of people criticized the new one for paying fan service. But it was, if that's what the fans want, like give them that. Like you don't right. necessarily have to make, you know, these cr- huge creative decisions um, that fly in the face of fans. You shouldn't do that. So. I'm, I'm happy that this that sort of thing with Sonic and these, like we're starting to listen to fans more. Um, it's nothing against having, you know, say all female cast in Ghostbusters. I don't think that was the problem. It was the idea that it ignored what the fans really wanted at its core. Yeah. And the new one, what's really cool is it's actually, it has a great uh, main character that's a female uh, protagonist, but it also incorporates the elements of the original. So yeah, so I'm all for it. Fan service all the way. <laughs> fan service 2022 that's going to be the uh the motto into the new year i mean spider-man's another example you know that's they they paid service to the fans of the last 20 years and now it's the second biggest opening of all time oh yeah 100 you know? percent. and it's, uh, uh it's where the future is and it should have always been there mm-hmm. um okay i'm gonna dive into my first one are you ready <laughs> yes okay so uh my so for those of you who listen to the show like we dive a little bit into sciences um throughout the show mostly like social sciences some psychology here and there but uh we're diving straight into space with this one okay uh we're going intergalactic so this is the james webb space telescope uh have you heard of this curtis no okay so it is actually launching December 24th, 2021, um, so coming up just right before Christmas. And uh, if you listen to Alan Alda's podcast, Clear and Vivid, um, one of his recent episodes with uh, Marsha Riki, she was the, um, the uh, oh, what is it, the principal investigator for the near-infrared camera for the James Webb Space Telescope, um, and it's the NIR cam. Um, so, oh my God, sorry, there's a fly that's harassing me, <laughs> but okay. So what this telescope will do, so it's, it's, I'm reluctant to say that it will replace 
the the Hubble Space Telescope or its successor, but it will just be in addition to the Hubble Space Telescope. So what the goal oh, wow. of this telescope is and this camera and all the other stuff that's on it is to look at the furthest reaches of the universe and detect light that is so dim that like we cannot even see it with Hubble. And so with this, they're launching it. Um, on the 24th, like I said, and it will take about a month to get out to where it's going to, which is about a million miles away from Earth. And so the difference, too, is with this one, it will, instead of orbiting Earth like Hubble Space Telescope does, this will actually orbit the sun, which is pretty astounding. Oh, wow. And so let me, I'm opening this link here um, just to get some more... um, and so, a way to make it super solar powered. Yeah. So James Webb, um, the James Webb Telescope, it's designed to see objects ten to one hundred times fainter than what the Hubble wow. Space Telescope can see. And it's, I think, I wow. can't remember the number, but it's like ten billion times fainter than the stars that we can see with our naked eyes. How long has the Hubble Telescope been up there? Since like what, like the eighties? It, it launched April nineteen ninety. Um, and actually, okay. other other than a few technical issues, like it's going strong, like the Hubble Space yeah. Telescope's doing just fine. Um, I mean, they definitely built it to last. Yes, um, and so with this new one, so it will shoot out uh, nine hundred and thirty thousand miles away, to be exact, um, into an area in space known as the Lagrange Point Two L two, and that's. Basically, like this, a, a stable point between two celestial bodies that something can just like stay constant, and it will have that consistent orbit um, around the sun. And so, with this telescope um, and with the camera that's on it, it's specifically designed to. It'll do things that Hubble does in terms of just taking regular images, but it's specifically designed to focus on. The, the capturing of infrared light, which Hubble does not do very well. And so infrared light is it's a very long wavelength, and it's a light that we cannot see with our naked eye. And if you know mm. anything about the expansion of the universe, it is that it's constantly expanding at an intensely high rate of speed. So all of the light far, 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 far at the edges, edges of the universe are moving away from us rapidly. And you think of the Doppler effect, right? So a car comes by, that at the end, it's expanding. Those lengths, those wavelengths are extending Mm -hmm. and expanding, becoming longer wavelengths. So that's what's happening with this light is you see it close. And the closer it is to us, the easier it is to see. But the further away it is, those light wavelengths are so much longer that we cannot see them. So... What the Hubble Space Telescope will do will basically give us a lens into the past. Like we'll be able to photograph. You this... said Hubble. You said. Hubble. Oh, sorry. You, you meant the uh, James Webb. Into the James Webb. My apologies. Um, the James Webb Space Telescope will be able to literally, like, we'll be able to see into the past by taking pictures wow. of this infrared light because it's still. Like that light is still out there, but we cannot see it because it hasn't reached us and it's moving away from us. So we theoretically could see like back in time in 2022, like, which is an insane concept. It is. And the, um, 
I mean, that, that's kind of how it always works with light. Like when we're looking at the stars or whatever, right? That's we're looking b- back in the past. But with but with uh, but with this, we could look even further back than we've ever yeah. been able to before. And so we'll be able wow. to see like at the furthest reaches of the universe. Um, and so um, the the James Webb Space Telescope, it was uh, in collaboration with the I believe it was the European uh space agency the and the uh, canadian space agency um and it's actually being launched um out of french guiana we're using a french rocket um oh wow and uh so they just i think literally just yesterday that being uh, december 20th 2021 um they were able to encapsulate the um telescope in the tip of this rocket successfully um i know they had some hardware issues to start um but they were able to get it into the rocket and do all their tests and everything needs to be done um and they're set to launch the day before christmas um they've been working on it for it's it's been you know it's as many science podcasts do it's been delayed pretty consistently many times over the past 20 years um i think originally it was supposed to cost like like 500 million or something um and it was supposed to launch in 2007 but then there were a bunch of issues and so now 20 years later um from the start of the project it's cost like 10 billion (laughs) dollars so so just just, i mean that's cheap considering what it's gonna give us though oh i mean mean, it's gonna be incredible and like California spent like a billion dollars like developing their high speed railway that's like no further along than it was. Like, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so I mean ten billion to like understand all of humanity and, and the universe. I think Literally. that's okay. And so um one thing that <laughs> I they try to I guess not try to like get right with people understanding this is is it will take like and if any of you've seen pictures from Hubble it's those these gorgeous just high res pictures of these giant nebulas in space and whatnot so James Webb will have the same resolution like the images will be the same sharpness and everything the only difference is we'll be able to see further away and we'll be able to see that different light wavelength um, but to give you an idea of how like great um, this resolution is is it's according to NASA Webb's revolution revo, uh, resolution would allow it to see details on an object the size of a U.S. penny from 24 miles away. <laughs> so I could put a penny with a scratch over Abe Lincoln's eye 24 miles away, and it could we could see that scratch. Like, see, I can crazy. already I can already hear the the conspiracy theorists right now they're like yeah they're gonna turn it towards earth and they're gonna be looking at my pennies oh i, I yeah 100 percent. like there it's it's definitely <laughs> like a nefarious plot to spy on the people you know do who knows what what a- what I like about this show is as, as we go, I feel like we keep adding in things that we've learned, you know? So like, like as we go, like I've always, I keep trying to bring it back to like what a libertarian would think. So now in addition to that, I'm going to start, I'm going to try to apply everything to what a conspiracy theory <laughs> thinks of everything we talk about. Well, and the sad <laughs> thing is you could apply that to literally everything we talk about. Right. <laughs> like I mean, I guess it'll always be the same thing, right? It'll like, no matter what it is, it's like, 
they're going to think it's a conspiracy. <laughs> and just like I've done in the past, because I am rewatching the West Ring right now, um, I did coincidentally just watch the episode the other day where um, a man's talking to Sam Seaborn about wanting to have uh, funding um, appropriated to UFOs, them through the right? for the uh, the Hadron Collider, um, and uh-huh. they're the senator that Sam Seaborn's talking to is just like, well, like why? Like we need a reason why, and Sam's whole thing is discovery. That's the reason why. And that's exactly it for this. Like, it, I, I feel like, especially, I feel like kind of with younger generations, there, or, um, there needs to be, like, a justification for science. For me, like, I'm all about discovery. I'm all about figuring out and just seeing what is. And so looking I mean, at this project. People, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say for younger people, like all you have to do is like point to their phone and be like, that's why technology matters. Oh, a hundred percent. It's not hard to see the benefits of technology in our daily lives. Mm -hmm. Like it's, and you look at these pictures from Hubble and it's just, they're so gorgeous and everything is so infinite and it's just, it's baffling. And so to have this opportunity to send this telescope out a million miles away from earth and to see what we'll be able to see is incredible. And so at, after the launch, they'll take pre- preliminary like image testing. So everything has to unfurl and you know, it's got this, these giant, I think it's like 20, 20 feet wide or something. It's this huge structure that's going to be floating around in space. And so they'll take like preliminary image tests and whatnot just to make sure the camera's working and everything. And then it'll take about a month for it to get to that L2 position a million miles away from Earth. And about wow. at that point, roughly, um, I think it, or they'll get there. And then I think it's about six months until we'll get the images, be able to take the images that we're like looking for with this machine. Um, wow. And so look for it, you know, I guess what would that be like July 2022 or whatever? Um, okay. Be looking out for Independence it. Independence Day. Independence Day. It's going to be incredible. Uh, but I mean, you look, I mean, the, um, I can't remember the name of the rover that's on Mars right now, but it just detected yeah. a huge amount of water on Mars, like underneath the surface of Mars. Oh, well. Wow. You know, and so science people, it's important. <laughs> like, uh, but like I said, if you science. want, if you want to learn more specifically about, like this is just me looking at the website and whatever, but if you want to learn more about this and learn about one of the scientists behind, or one of the leading scientists behind the creation of the camera that's on the telescope, listen to the episode of Clear and Vivid with Marsha Riki because it's it's absolutely fascinating stuff. That's crazy. Um, and okay, I, my I next one. Wish I was smart enough to understand physics. I desperately <laughs> wish I was smart enough. <laughs> okay, my next one, Dalen, not that it's a competition, Ugh. but it is definitely a bigger deal than discovering the light from a distant universe. <laughs> it's the light in this universe that burns brightest. It's Betty White's 100th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Mic oh. drop. Oh, are you a are you a Betty fanatic? Who's not? 
<laughs> I know that's I mean, crazy. Okay, a hundred years old. January seventeenth. Yeah, a hundred years old is what she's turning. She's actually, I believe, she has the record for um, the length of her career um, in entertainment. Like, meaning mm-hmm. that she was around since radio and had a pretty good radio career. Gosh, um, then went to TV. Then went to movies. Then went to back to TV. I mean. I mean, literally, okay, so she has to have been story. around for like <laughs> 85 years in the industry then. Okay. So I think it says in here. Um, oh, shoot. Let's see. This article doesn't say it. I believe it was 60. Let's see. So does that make sense? So it'd be 20 years back to 2000 and then 40 years back from. No, you're right. It would have to be further than that. That would you're, It would have to be 80. You're Because, totally I mean, you, you figure what? She probably started her career in her. 20s i would imagine yeah i believe she was um i believe she was somewhere in her early 20s late teens gosh dang, um, that's so, a long time yeah uh you know so she so she's throwing a party and we're all invited um on january 17th yeah. uh there's gonna be a, a special movie event released called betty white a hundred years young <laughs> um i wish they spent a little more uh time thinking of that title but <laughs> um uh the movie made by steve botch botcher uh, and mike trinklin leon there we go mike trinklin uh follows white in her day-to-day life including behind the scenes on sets working with her office staff entertaining at home lending her voice as an animal advocate and uh, will take viewers to an actual birthday party. Gosh, uh, at dang. the birthday party, <laughs> at the birthday party, uh, guests include Ryan Reynolds, Tina Fey, Robert Redford, Lynn Mer- Manuel Miranda, Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman, Jay Leno, Carol Burnett, Craig Ferguson, Jimmy Kimmel, Valerie, Valerie Bertinelli, James Corden, Wendy Malick, and Jennifer Love Hewitt. <laughs> Jen. Jennifer Love Hewitt seems a little random, but okay. That I don't is, know what the connection there is. That was is quite the, the uh, star-studded uh, birthday uh, <laughs> attendance. Like, gosh dang. Yeah, I mean, somebody put this in perspective for me. Betty White has been playing a senior citizen for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's... that's like, and that's just like what <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so you know you know, a lot of times we think of our grandparents as you know it's like oh okay they're 70 you know they don't have much time left you know what you never know <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, that's true i mean you definitely should go and visit them at christmas <laughs> and all that i'm not saying to, to put it off i'm just saying like you shouldn't write off old people just because they're reaching a certain age mm-hmm. because they might live to be a hundred well, that's like, I mean, and that's probably increasingly what will happen. Shelby's great grandmother is, I think, like ninety-five. Something wow. like that, you know. Um, but I mean, yeah, now like, and you're right because now I look at it, I'm like, like sixty years old, you know, like sixty to seventy, like that's not old, you know, not anymore. Like it's really not. Well, it was funny. Okay, so with uh, so Paul Rudd, uh, twenty twenty-one, sexiest man alive. <laughs> right. I was talking with uh, one of my coworkers at work, and I was like, what happened? Like, at what point did, like, 
50 to 55 year old become like the peak age for men <laughs> like that's just it's it's like the peak age even like 50 to 60 i would say even is like the peak age for men now and i'm like when did that happen you know i think it's kind of a shift in like like i think you get more confident as you get older yeah um and and uh something about confidence is sexy um, so Fair. I think that if you take care of yourself and, uh, you know, you, you don't completely mess it up in the first third of your life, <laughs> you have a good chance of making that second or even the third third of your life, like not so bad. Stay strong folks. <laughs> do you, do you know if Betty White has any like upcoming films or projects or like, is she active right you now? Know, so I think COVID she never got COVID, thankfully, um, but but she did say she did have an interview uh, in 2020 saying, um, excuse me, in 2021 um, for her birthday, for her 99th birthday, saying <laughs> that she had spent most of her time since COVID had started at home and that she was mm-hmm. trying to be very careful about it and and that she was looking forward to going out more and, you know, and seeing people again and stuff, but, mm-hmm. but that she that she was being safe about it, taking it seriously. Um, so I don't think any films are, last time I looked up, there was nothing on her roster for, for films coming up. Uh, I mean, it was kind of crazy that she even, she did like 200 episodes of Hot in Cleveland, um, wow. when she was in her eighties, hmm. you know, so, and that, that just ended like, I want to say about four or five years ago. Oh, really? You know? Yeah. So, I mean, so that was she was just supposed to be a guest star on it. She was really popular. So she kept doing it and she ended up doing the full show. Um, so, you know, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think she could keep going, but at some point she, she might think that it's better to sort of do other things in her life. She'll kind of quits at 101. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, knowing her, she'll do something. I mean, even this, I mean, she's doing a star studded birthday. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) she's like, screw movies. I'm just going to have a big birthday. (laughs) Her last credit, um, is in, uh, toy story four, um, slash also a extra for toy story four that landed on Disney plus Mm -hmm. in 2019 in which she played a character called ready. Spidey White. Uh, I mean that. Uh, yeah, I mean that sounds about right. That, that <laughs> figures. So yeah, so the key to being living that old is to have a great sense of humor. For me, it's kind of sad to see, like, certain actors still trying to do it in their very old ages. Like, have you seen the uh, anything from the new Clint Eastwood movie? I think it's called The Mule. I think it is. I, no, I. I I stopped watching Clint Eastwood movies for the most part um, yeah, so, after the train movie that he made. Oh, right. Yeah. So basically in <sighs> basically the whole movie is he's this old cowboy and he gets put on this job to go get this kid from Mexico and bring him back to his father in the United States. And Clint Eastwood's like 92 or something. He's old and he's still trying to be this tough you know i'm clint eastwood guy but his skin looks like it's made of paper and he just (laughs) he's just i feel like you can't play that tough clint eastwood character 
when you sound and look so fragile. Like it just like at one point he gets. I mean, to gets, be fair, <laughs> to be fair, most of the actors who play the toughest people that we know of were just as fragile, no matter what age they were. I mean, I've been on sets and I've seen them being like, you know, heroic, and then the scene cuts and it's like, "Where's my latte?" You know, like, <laughs> "Where's my latte?" <laughs> so I mean, I, I think you know. They basically do the same thing with him as they do with everybody else. It's just a little less believable because of his age. That's fair. Um, okay, well, why don't we move on to my yeah. next one? Um, so mine, this is we're, we're taking a step down a little bit here, folks. Um, so we're looking at the uh, Supreme Court of the United States uh, going into 2022. I took a look at some of their cases coming up, and this one kind of piqued my interest. It's West Virginia versus the Environmental Protection Agency. Um, so this case... It, <laughs> of course they did that. Yes. <laughs> and so it all it all has to do with the Clean Air Act. Um, basically, um, so this the, the question at hand in this uh, Supreme Court case is it, the case concerns whether the U.S. Constitution gives Congress the authority to delegate broad regulatory power to the Environmental Protection Agency related to greenhouse gas emissions. And so the concern with this is basically Congress is like, hey, EPA, we're going to give you the power to the power to create regulations as you see fit as the EPA when it comes to greenhouse gas emissions. And West Virginia is like, no, we don't think you should do that because it's it's basically the, the question of if, if the EPA is like, okay, in order to stop greenhouse gas emissions, we're going to cut all production of oil in the United States, can Congress give the EPA that power? And so it brings into question, and let me click because I can't remember. Um, it was the, the main. The view is like, why couldn't it? Like, why, why couldn't the Congress give that power to? It's, like that? It's, it's not so much could they give them power it's what is the scope of the power that is being given right oh, and so okay. they can give the epa power to create environmental regulation and whatnot but and and, and that's where it, it brings in what's called the major questions doctrine which from my understanding uh is basically like um i guess here let me just read this from uh, uh ballotpedia.org uh, the major questions doctrine, doctrine provides Congress uh, provides that Congress must speak clearly if it wishes to assign to an agency decisions of vast economic and political significance. Um, it says this approach would not allow courts to defer to agency interpretations of law when the interpretation involves policies with great economic and political significance. Um, one version. Of the uh, the MQD, the Mass Quest Major Questions Doctrine, would force Congress to pass new legislation to resolve statutory ambiguity. Um, so basically, it's saying that the power that Congress is passing to these agencies has to be so specific in the power and in the scope of what it's passing on that it couldn't just be, "Hey, we're going to do whatever we want." Um, so they're basically doing the same thing that that they did with the um, the agency put in charge of 
guns and firearms, right? Like they were, they were originally supposed to regulate um, gun laws, but now like they they have a very small scope of of what they can investigate yeah. and the laws that they can try to push for. And so it's it's fascinating because this um, the the major questions doctrine was actually relatively rare. Um, but under the Trump administration, they actually kind of weaponized it um, because they they basically used it as in court cases as a means of basically taking away regulatory power of these uh, uh, um, uh, sorry of these uh, uh, bodies like EPA and whatnot to agencies. Uh, agencies to just basically in an attempt to take away their power in regulating and um, running things like the Clean Air Act, which is what this one focuses on. Um, and actually, um, the Trump administration tried using the uh, the uh, major questions doctrine against the original act for this, which I believe was... Oh, where was it? Um, Bampedia. It was the the Clean Power Plan. So in 2015, the Environmental Protection Agency established the Clean Power Plan to create guidelines for greenhouse gas emissions, uh, emission reductions for existing power plants. The Trump administration tried to use this uh, major questions doctrine to take away the power from the EPA to um, uh, enact this, and it, the court didn't do it, but um, the plan was not implemented at all regardless, which is why in 2019 the EPA implemented um, the Affordable Clean Energy Rule, which is... Um, uh, repealing and replacing the clean power plan, which um, the affordable clean energy rule is called the ACE rule, and that's part of the Clean Air Act. And that uh, the ACE rule is specifically what West Virginia is suing over. Um, so I say look forward to this one because I think it's going to be setting a pretty large precedent in terms of the major questions doctrine and what Congress is able to. Um, grant in terms of scope of power to agencies like the EPA, um, especially as we're heading into some uh, climate disaster scenarios in the future. Um, I think it's just important to pay attention to this stuff in terms of what Congress is able to do with these agencies, what these agencies are limited on doing or what they're allowed to do. Um, if you were on the Supreme Court, what, which way do you think you would lean? Like, like, and what would be your reasoning? How much it, power do you think... Uh, you know, the a government should have over, say, industries like coal or whatever, you know, like, it's, it's, should they be able to dictate? It's tough because do I, it, I feel like you have to have this sweet spot, right? And so I feel like with agencies like the EPA, you want them to have enough scope and have enough power to where they can do what they're created to do to protect the environment. But I think like the major questions doctrine says, you cannot give them so much scope of power to where they are making decisions that the voting people of this country 
do not have any part of. Like, I feel like it, it gets mm-hmm. to a point where it has to be left to Congress because they were the elected officials. And you can't just be like, oh, well, this agency just made this decision that's going to affect the like entire country in such a massive way. Like, if it's gonna, if they make a decision that's like, hey, we're going to do this, but it's going to put you in $4 trillion of debt, like, I, I feel like a non-elected agency should not be able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. That's just, I guess, that's just well, my the pro- opinion. The problem is, like, I, I mean, I guess, it, you know, in a way, like, I guess it's kind of a good thing to define it early on, what their, what their scope is. Um, the bad thing is, in order to make big changes, it usually is kind of expensive, but the idea is it'll be better in the long run. You know, you might spend $10 billion in the next 10 years, but then you'll save, you know, $100 billion in the next 100 or something, you know. So so we're not very good at thinking about things long term. And I like the idea that, that they could put a, a limit on their power. It also worries me, though, that I think the main purpose for Republicans um, in in a conservative state like West Virginia in doing this is to specifically limit the power of agencies like the EPA to a point where they're basically useless. And what sucks about that is the main reason Republicans don't trust or or approve of government is because they think they're useless. But at the same time, whenever they get a chance, that's exactly what they make these agencies through these kinds of laws. Well, and that's that's pretty much exactly what the Trump administration was trying to do with weaponizing the major questions doctrine is they wanted to make the agency so null and void because they knew it would go against their uh, what they wanted to accomplish as a party, what their goals were, which was obviously not environmental protection. (laughs) Um, um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, well, I think it's... He, he kept putting people in charge of, of, of these agencies that basically just wanted to dissolve them, you yeah. know, like the guy who ran the FCC, uh, you know, he first he destroyed the power of the FCC by, you know, giving all of the power back to these evil big corporations, um, that, that dictate, you know, things like our internet speed and stuff like that and how much we get charged for internet. Um, and then he did the same thing with the EPA. You know, it's like it, it was just so disheartening that he wouldn't want to make it better. And he doesn't have the guts or the power to destroy these agencies. So he just put somebody inept in in the the leadership there to make it useless. And that mm-hmm. that is like the worst of both worlds. You keep the big government agency, but you make it totally useless. Yeah. And so here here's the official question presented, and I'll, I'll leave it at this. It says, in... <clears throat> 42 USC 7411D, an ancillary provision of the Clean Air Act, did Congress constitutionally authorize the EPA to issue significant rules, including those capable of reshaping the nation's electricity grids and unilaterally decarbonizing virtually any sector of the economy without any limits on what the agency can require so long as it considers costs, non-air impacts, and energy requirements. Um, so the whole idea mm-hmm. is what limits is the EPA being held to? So look at that coming up in the new year. <laughs> <laughs> What's your All next right. one? Um, let's see. 
Um, so one thing I learned reading this article in Forbes um, was that during um, in in the year of 2020 during the pandemic that um, the International Energy Agency estimated that 40% more renewable energy had been generated and was used during 2020 compared to the previous year. Um, the interesting thing is that we actually, that renewable energy was actually the only form of energy that saw a usage increase because mm -hmm. in the U.S., renewable energy uh, increased by 40% during the, especially during the first 10 weeks of the lockdown, worldwide, all non-renewable energy usage actually decreased as industries shut down and people stayed home, leading to an overall reduction in emissions by 8%, which is huge in, hmm. in these terms. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but it really is to happen in 10 weeks. Um, so what this led to was an expectation that if you increase investment into renewable energy, um, that, it, that it actually could be a huge benefit to humanity and to uh to the planet um so what we're hoping for in 2022 um is more focus on renewable energy um things such as biofuels liquid hydrogen um, and even nuclear fusion um are becoming more and more viable um and we're hoping that it'll go in that direction even more in 2022 um, however, breakthroughs in all of these areas are likely to make headlines because um, Helloin Energy, which is a pioneer in the field of fusion energy, um, is actually replicating the process used to create energy in the sun. Um, expects their and they expect their latest prototype uh, fusion generator to come online during 2022. Um, so there's a little bit of worry that maybe we're messing with things that we shouldn't be, mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of excitement that, that, you know, we might have um, a really great renewable energy source um, similar to how the sun works. Uh, practical applications are also expected to emerge in the field of green hydrogen energy, which mm -hmm. is, which unlike the established process for creating energy from hydrogen, which involves using large amounts of dirty fossil fuel energy to create electricity, electrolysis, um, which is separating hydrogen and oxygen. Um, it, and unlike that, it'll do so without emitting the carbon that uh, traditional ways have, have done in the past. So, you know, every year, I believe things get a little better um, with things like improving the quality of life, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily how I put this, like we do pollute more than we used to, but we are actually a lot more efficient. We get a lot more out of it than we, than we used to. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I am, I am very excited for uh renewable energy. You're seeing just like more and more homes getting solar panels. Like I've, I've, uh, I've even seen around Texas, like more homes getting uh like their own, like, wind turbines which i think is really cool actually that's cool um i'm just excited for change you know like <laughs> like i just want new I mean, things we can't, to happen. we can't do fuel forever we, we can't do coal forever no. we can't do you know fossil fuel forever we know this we need to admit it to ourselves it doesn't have to change overnight there's no way it ever would you know if if we flip to renewable energy let's say like we really committed to it 
like we're still talking 20 years, you know, so everyone yeah. that's working in the coal industry, you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> like, you know, learn some new tricks. You're, you'll be fine. You have 20 years to, to figure it out. Well, and I know we just finished the, the UN, uh, whatever it's called, like but they're basically their climate change summit in November. And then, yeah. Uh, um, I know China is aiming to be emissions free, but like 2060, you know, and so uh-huh. like you said, like it's not. I feel like when a lot of people say, "Hey, we need to make the switch," it's like we need to do it immediately. Which it's like, yeah. yeah, I mean, there there is a timeline, but you know, we can transition to it. We just need to do it. Um, well, one thing I heard too was in the U.S., you know, we're so like resistant to changing away from fossil fuels because the companies that lobby against changes, mm-hmm. um, like Exxon. Um, that we're actually falling behind the rest of the world because the rest of the world have moved on and their energy companies have embraced renewable energy a lot more than ours has. Yeah. Um, and so, so they're developing the technology and the profit from those technologies at a much faster race, rate than we will. And, and uh, if we don't seriously get into this, we, we won't be the superpower anymore because we will have you know, stuck it out with fossil fuels for decades too long. You know, and uh, uh, speaking of lobbying, uh, my next one, we've got the midterms coming up. And it's going to be a oh, good time. I'm not sure if we should. See, that is definitely not something to look forward to. <laughs> so, got, folks, I, I bring this one up because it's you got to go vote. You have to. I know yeah. you don't think about the midterms. You just think about presidential elections and, you know, those midterms. But. You got to get out and vote. Um, What it's looking like right now, um, there are uh, 30 representatives uh, that are not uh, running for re-election in the House, and 19 of those are Democrats. Um, The other 11 are Republicans. Um, History has shown that, you know, midterms generally don't go in favor um, of whatever the party of the sitting president is, and... History also shows that if there's a larger number of one party leaving, then it is the other party that will take over that body of Congress. Um, Makes sense. And Biden's numbers have not been great. No, he, uh, you know, he hasn't been a super strong uh, leader in in uh, in making the change that he's that he wants to make so far. No, like he he's fallen through on a lot of stuff, and that's you know we talk about it a lot on the show of of like people who, you know, are obsessed with these politicians. And I'm like, I like, I like Biden. I think he's a good guy. Do I think he's been the best president? No, <laughs> no, he hasn't. You know, he's fallen I mean, short in a lot of ways. I have voted for him. I actually wouldn't have voted for him if it wasn't for Trump. Like, like, mm-hmm. like if he could have changed his name legally to not Trump, like, I think he would have gotten even more votes. <laughs> yes. Like that was the main reason people went out last time. You know, I think I Trump was sitting at thirty seven percent approval rating, Biden sitting at forty two percent right now, which I believe is like the second worst of all time, like in terms of where we're at within the presidency. Um other than Trump. <laughs> other than Trump, yeah. Um but yeah, yeah, I mean there the the house it's it's very more than likely it's gonna shift over to um Republican majority. Um, there's de- redistricting going on right now still. Um, you can go and look. I think there's um, 
a handful that have already uh, submitted and had their uh, remappings approved. Um, there's actually more um, voting districts that have shifted towards Democratic, uh, like a higher Democratic um, gain. But those are ones that were already like majority Democratic. And so it really the ones that mean more, like, for example, North Carolina has shifted more Republican. Um, and uh, that was in a, a district that was either uh, broken even or more Democratic. So that's a, a win for the Republican Party. Um, but you can go and there's still um, like a lot of states that they'll be releasing um, their um, approved congressional maps uh, coming up in 2022 and February, March, June. Um, yeah, all these different dates. So just keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on redistricting. Um, and uh, yeah, whether you're Republican, Democrat, independent, libertarian, whatever it may be, um, midterms are important. Go vote. It's coming up. Check it out. Well, you know, and the other thing to do, too, is is uh, if you believe if you if you believe you're right, you know, talk to other people and convince them of such, you know, like sometimes we were afraid to to reach across the aisle and talk to somebody who we think is going to be antagonistic to what we're mm-hmm. we're talking about to even have a conversation one article I read recently was talking about how Democrats have done a terrible job of appealing to rural voters. Um, and that in, I think it was four states um, that Democrats were hoping to win uh, in 2020, uh, they lost because the rural voters were so energized to come out because they finally felt like they had a voice mm-hmm. in Donald Trump and the Republican Party um, that there was no way that the the safety of the city or the, or the urban vote and the suburban vote could match these pockets of of um, of rural areas that people came out and they voted 85 percent Trump. You know, like, like they might be small, but they're all united, you know, in that way. So if you are a Democrat and or independent or something like that, and you want to reach people who, you know, who who are who are new to the game and and who are definitely excited enough to vote, like maybe reach out to people and figure out what they want in these rural communities um, and see if you can find some common ground, because the ones that do it best are the ones that appeal to everyone and not just, you know, just the city or just, just the, the rural areas. Which I, maybe it's just me, but I feel like Biden is just too bland to be that person. <laughs> like, like he just, I'm going to have to do something. <laughs> I know. Like I, that's where I'm, I'm particularly, especially if, if Trump doesn't run, because I think if Trump does run in 2024, that's just going to, it's going to be loud as ever. It's going to be the same thing. But if we get two new people, two new candidates, which I know Biden said he's going to run again, he's not going to win. Um, but if we get two new candidates in with new ideas, with Depends. fresh takes, like I, I just, I would be so much more happy about that than seeing these two just fight it out again. Do you think if uh, Trump runs against Biden? 
again that that Trump will win? Oh, that's really tough. Um, no. I I don't know. I really don't know like because my, it it would be hard okay. because I I feel like if I feel like if it's down to Biden and Trump again, I feel like we're going to have more third party vo- votes than ever before. Um because I feel like people voted for Biden strictly because he wasn't Trump, but then I feel like after this people don't want Biden. Like they're not going to. People don't want him now. They didn't want him then. I mean I mean, but has Biden really pissed anyone off or is it just that he hasn't done anything too, no, too he, great? You he know? Hasn't, like, there's a difference. He hasn't pissed anybody off. He just hasn't really done anything. See, I don't think that necessarily means that they would vote for a third party then. Like with Trump, a lot of people, like let's say it was with Hillary Clinton or Trump or whatever, like a lot of people, she, that you know, they heard her and they, they really got pissed off by things she was saying. Or yeah. The way she flip-flopped and everything like that. Um, you know, so they, they voted against her. And the same thing was true with Trump. You know, he really royally pissed off and, and you know, secluded a, a large population away from him with what he said and how plainly he said it. Um, I don't think Biden is in that same that same camp. I mean, like, you know, for better or worse, he's a politician and he knows what to say and when to say it. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, what's your next item on the uh, list? Okay, this is my last one. And again, this is another like completely non-serious one. Like I, I feel like we approach this very differently. <laughs> very differently. Um, uh, so uh, J- the new James Bond will be named after 18 <gasps> years. Oh, of yeah. Craig. Uh, so there's a lot of names being thrown out. Um, at, in, for example, the um, uh, Idris Elba, which would be the first black James Idris Bond, Elba. Is, uh, is, is in the excuse me, Idris Elba, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which would be the first black James Bond ever to, uh, to, to don that role. Be incredible. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And so that could be kind of exciting. Shake that up after forever. <laughs> Idris Elba is pretty, um, he would be pretty old to start as James Bond though. You know, he's in his, he's in his fifties. Um, yeah, I think, I think he's early fifties, I think. I mean, I think he'd still have a good 10, 15 years. He could do it. Oh, for sure. And he could. Um, Idris Elba, age. How old is he? Uh, I guess I don't know what I was going to say. I, I think Sean Connery was, was fairly old when he was still playing James Bond. Okay, so, okay, um, yeah, never mind. Idris Elba's 49. He's he's totally fine. Um, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got plenty of years. He's, he'd be a great James Bond. <laughs> Wait, so because he's fine at 49, but if he was 51, it'd be like, oh, no, wait. Well, okay, to put it into perspective, Daniel Craig has been James Bond for 18 years, and Daniel Craig is 53. So he'd be calling it quits at 53, whereas Idris Elba would be starting up at 49. and. Picking it up right where exactly. You have to go. So, so not not to bash against my boy Idris or anything, but I don't know. Anyways, continue. Um, uh, and the other one I have is one I'm excited for. I'm cautiously optimistic is Hocus Pocus two because we've been waiting forever for that, and Disney Plus finally committed to it, and the original witches are coming back. Um, I'm a little worried because. 
I, I think other than Thora Birch, I don't think any of the younger kids are going to be oh, really? back. I think one of them even said that they hadn't even been asked, which Aww. was kind of... And I'm a little concerned after uh, Disney Plus put up uh, what looks to be awful, uh, another sequel to Home Alone. Have you seen that? Oh, no, I have not seen that. Are you serious? It's called Home Home Sweet Home Alone. And Gross. Every review I've I've heard of from it is it's awful. Like one of the I guess it's kind of interesting, but it also kind of wrecks it. Like so, the bad guys in this who break into the kid's house, mm-hmm. um, they're they're only doing so because the kid stole a like I think it was like a toy or something from them. So like they're trying to get their toy back, which is really valuable to them for some reason. <laughs> so like all the reviews I've been hearing is like why do I feel bad for these people who are getting like tortured? <laughs> right. This rich kid just stole a toy from them. Like, <laughs> uh, so is, is Macaulay Culkin in it? Hell no. Uh, but <laughs> I remember somebody but, tweeted out and Macaulay Culkin actually, he like retweeted being like, yes, is they make a sequel to home alone? Like, you know, just like a regular, but with Macaulay Culkin, like now, as he is at like forty something years old, but like yeah. have him act as a kid and just not acknowledge the fact that he's a forty year old man. <laughs> it, would be, it would be so funny. Like, like his mind has slowly like deteriorated. So, like Home Alone now is like a a thing for like his brain. Like he's like he's kind of like all alone in there. That sounds uh, depressing. No, I mean, no, like, <laughs> no, like literally he's like a 42 year old Macaulay Culkin acting a 12 year old kid. Oh, gotcha. Although okay. so I maybe guess, I guess that could be kind of funny. Maybe he is just this 40 some odd year old man who has been plagued with people trying to break into his house every single year <laughs> of his life. And every Christmas we- he has to fight <laughs> off these people. I think we just go full like action movie and just like have him defending his home with like Rambo style at this point. It'll, it'll just be like Die Hard, but like his house. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, I want to see that movie. I'm excited about the franchise again. Oh, here we go, <laughs> folks. We're bringing Home Alone back. <laughs> oh, that so makes me so the actor excited. That played Buzz. I guess the actor that played Buzz is mm-hmm. uh, is in it. And oh he really? Plays, um, yeah, uh, this home sweet home alone. Uh, he plays a cop who still works in the neighborhood that his family lived, I guess. Um, and one clever thing is, I guess some somebody, I presumably the kid, calls the cops uh, because this is a modern version of the, the movie and right. have cell phones. Um, and I guess the cops don't believe him because Kevin McAllister always prank calls mm. to say that that he's being like robbed or something like that and the brother who still works with the forest has to deal with it every year <laughs> so that's kind of clever i'll give them that mr McAllister causing issues he's crying wolf a little bit here <laughs> just to mess with his brother buzz which i just watched the first two movies again he's awful like that character is so oh yeah so cruel he's terrible at the end of they try to redeem buzz at the end of home alone 2 but it's really not much 
Well, and I can't. Terrible. In the third one, isn't it like completely different people? Yeah. So they actually the it's actually written by John Hughes, who wrote the first two and a bunch of other classics. But um, but they were gonna film it back to back with Macaulay Culkin, the second and the third one. But mm-hmm. for some reason, that didn't get it didn't happen. Um, the second one didn't do as well as the first one. I don't know what other reason. Um, so they shelved it, but they used the same script just with different actors mm. playing different characters. But it's essentially like if you look at the characters, they're exactly like they would right. be if they were played by the original actors. Oh, garbage. Don't recycle scripts. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you personally looking forward to in 2022? Like, is there any cool things on the horizon that you're that you're looking for that you that you'd want to share? Yeah. Um, so I, there's there's one thing um, I can't announce it right now. Um, but in <laughs> Probably in one or two episodes, I'll be able to announce it. Um, um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking to uh, um, get back doing a lot more uh, photography this year. Um, I'm looking to keep an eye on more like protests and whatnot and uh, um, get out shooting some more of those. I know during COVID it was, um, I got a couple in, but it was tough to do. So I'm hoping moving into uh an election year, it'll be more active. I can get out and do more photography in that manner. Um, yeah, it'd be awesome. But otherwise, I'm just gonna keep working on my house, um, getting things going. I uh, um, would like to get out and visit more state parks, get outdoors some more. Um, as we're hopefully nearing the end of this pandemic. Um, Dalen built a a deck, <laughs> which yes. I think is awesome. Yeah, you built a full-on deck on your house. It looks great. Thank you. Yeah, no, we uh, um, bought a house back in uh, April 2021, and uh, I have been working nonstop on this building. And it's been a lot of work. And so when when uh, Kara and Curtis came over and we recorded the part three of our uh, – or no, part two of our – um, police in America episode, uh, series, um, they got to see the deck that I had been working on. Um, and I think at the time, one of the, the staircase going down to the yard wasn't built yet. Um, but now it's completely built. And the only thing I have to do is oh, add wow. a couple more pieces of railing and then it's done. Um, wow. and so exciting stuff. And then I can move on to the next project. Homeownership. <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> um, but what are you <laughs> looking forward to project? personally? Real quick, what's the next big home project? Uh, next big home project, um, I got to finish painting, um, which I don't have much left to do. We bought a paint sprayer, so that's much better than using brushes. Uh, but the next yeah. thing, going into the spring of 2022, we're going to rebuild and expand the front porch. Um, oh, cool. And so right now it's in the, the, the front door. You go up a staircase that's like, on the side and then onto this little porch. And so we're going to extend it out like four feet into the yard. Instead of the stairs coming from the side, I'm going to have the stairs just going straight down the front. So they'll be wider and more inviting. And then that way on the side of the house where the stairs are now, we can uh, make a big garden so we can have vegetables and flowers and whatever plants we want to put in there. Um, I think you should do a, you should get completely off the electrical grid and, 
and use and be completely powered by um, the methane from the cows that are uh, <laughs> rolling yeah, around their back. We're not solar powered. We're methane powered. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, we are looking because we do have a very good solar rating at our house. Um, so mm-hmm. we do we do want to get solar panels in the future. Um, so that's definitely something that we're looking into. We just haven't been able to really look into it quite yet. Um, but in the future, um, so uh, we're yeah. looking to uh, lower our uh, carbon footprint as well as much as we can. So I'm excited about That's that. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so what? How yeah. about you? What's your new year? What are you looking forward to? Oh, I don't know. Um, so this year was my busiest year as far as um, photography stuff. Um, so I'm going to try to keep that going into next year, and you know, hopefully it won't go down too much with all the different uh, COVID protocols and stuff, um, that might be on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna, I really want to push more into writing. I would like to write my first, um, feature film. Uh, up to now I've only written shorts, so I would like to write that. Um, and, uh, you know, start submitting that more to film festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a short script that I wrote that, got made into a like a college film basically oh and nice they're gonna submit it to some film festivals coming up um and it's it's being finalized right now as far as the edit and i got to see a rough edit of it and it's really good that's awesome um so yeah i'm looking forward to that if it's at any film festivals i'm definitely going to try to go out of my way to see that oh absolutely um, yeah that'd be super and, cool to see yeah and just push more into writing and into filmmaking that's always been kind of a a passion of mine that um, I haven't been able to do as much in the last 10 or so years um, because of trying to make money and a lot of moves and stuff. So the struggle is real to, uh, yeah, it'd be really cool to actually use some of the success I've found in, in this other industries of photography and stuff to start putting it back into, you know, those things that I really love. Um, I'm looking at, you know, moving into a new city. Um, I'm not exactly sure when, and it's still kind of all up in the air, Mm -hmm. but uh, I was looking at Austin. That was one of the places that was on my my final list, and uh, Los Angeles. I was looking into a little bit. Um, I went. I recently visited Charlotte, and I thought that that was a really cool city again. Yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte's one of the fastest but, growing cities in the country right now. Yeah, and for good reason. It's a really cool place, and a lot of really cool people. I always have a good time when I'm hanging out there. So I believe so. Is know, a, so even though it doesn't Raleigh, but Raleigh, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's also a cool place. It's it's been on the top of my list for a while too, um, but you know, Raleigh and Charlotte aren't necessarily filmmaking destinations. Right. So I have to kind of balance it out with, you know, exactly where I want to be in the film industry, and it would be nice to have a little more work as a video editor and that kind of thing, um, in the creative aspects of filmmaking because you have to have so many, you have to collaborate with so many different people to get a film made that yeah. you know if you're living in a place where there's not a lot of film. Um, it's really difficult to do that because there's just not as many people, not as many projects to to learn on to you know get a, um, get those connections with. So try to figure out my life in, in 2022. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, eventually I'll get it right. LA and Austin are obviously <laughs> very good spots in terms of film production and whatnot. You know, so yeah. Hopefully, you can get some yeah. going in the future. Um, we'll see (laughs) and then i actually that is one thing that talking about scripts i've been writing a lot too recently and i have for those of you um if you've heard my first audio drama um, episode peonage i am almost done with the script for the second one um and that will be 
looking at the very first mission on the Oregon Trail. Um, oh wow! And so it's 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 following this fictional family um, that an incident happens and they have to leave their home in New Haven, Connecticut, and they join in 1842 the first mission on the Oregon Trail going to Willamette Valley. Um, the main like characters are fictional, but everybody else um, and all the incidents that happen are based off of primary sources from people who were actually on that first mission. Um, and so I, I try to keep awesome. it all as realistic and fast fact-based and accurate as possible. Um, so look forward to that. Hopefully in the, the spring of 2022, hopefully I can get it produced by then and out to listeners. So yeah. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah, That's really you. cool. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I'll keep you updated on that too, Curtis. Um, if you want to have a hand yeah, in it at all. Um, so I guess that's, uh, that's it. For looking sure. into, uh, 2022. Here's looking at you. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's sad that Kara can't be here, but I will speak on her behalf. Um, and I'm assuming her 2022, she's bringing the monarchy back to the United States. Um, her and Harry are single-handedly going to reverse what happened in 1776 and bring the Queen's reign back to her country. Um, <laughs> no, no, Kara, Kara has a lot of incredibly exciting stuff coming to her and her husband in 2022, and I could not be happier for her. So I know we've been sporadic with our recording and whatnot, and we're hoping to get back on base uh moving forward in 2022 um but just a lot of exciting stuff going on um in our lives and we're all okay with that right now so uh yeah we hope uh, your new year's great uh we've got some heavy hitters coming back for you in uh, the new year uh, we've got a whole line of shows lined up of what we're going to be working on and bringing to you so keep an eye on it uh, if you want to get hold of us as usual Send us an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com. You can check us out on the Facebooks and everything. Check out the website. Um, yeah, that's it. We'll talk to you all in the next episode, everybody. Bye. Bye. Happy 2022. Thank you for listening to Social Discord, part of the Podcast Without Borders Network. You can get a hold of us by sending us an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com. You can also check out our website at podcastwithoutborders.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.